the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Alaska. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And Larry is here and in live broadcast color as well as, actually we can even say that now because you're on LarryRosenthal.tv as well as all of the other wonderful places that are hosting us right now, Sirius XM and WAVA. Welcome aboard and here he is, Larry Rosenthal. Well, good morning, Chris, and how are you today? Uh, I think I'm excited about a couple of things and also I'm kind of reflecting today, Larry. It's uh, just um, the wonderful service of our veterans and those who paid the ultimate sacrifices. Memorial Day is here this week. Yes, absolutely. Happy Memorial Day to everyone, and thank everyone for their service, their family members, everyone. We mm-hmm. really appreciate it. Amen. What a great country, too. Absolutely it is. So you know, um, Best country on the face of the earth, brother. <clears throat> this is true. In the galaxy as well. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> right? Amen. Right, yeah. So happy Memorial Day weekend, everyone. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Welcome to Making Money Sense. It's Saturday morning. It means it's open mic Saturday. Any questions at all on your financial planning, your investments questions, your tax questions, mortgages, real estate, stocks, bonds, 401ks, options, whatever it may be, give us a ring today if you want to learn how to develop wealth in the in you know in the in the financial planning uh, arena give us a call at 855-ROSE123 that's 855-767-3123 as chris mentioned you know we're 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 uh, like to continue to welcome our listeners on WAVA in the DC Baltimore area as well as our listeners in Sirius XM across the country border to border coast to coast and uh, our new listeners and watchers on LarryRosenthal.tv. Just check it out on YouTube, and you can see this show being streamed live, LarryRosenthal.tv. So what happened this past week in the markets, and what's going on in the markets, and where is this market going? Boy, I get that question all the time lately. I don't know, need and- to go to King's Dominion anymore, I'm telling you. There you go, Chris. That's exactly right. You know, you get a nice little roller coaster ride in this stock market these days, that's Dude. for sure. So, you know, Friday, this past Friday, the the US Commerce Department reported that personal consumption expenditures, basically what we're spending on, rose three point one percent over the last year. The the and 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 so that's good. We're we're getting the reopening of the economy again, you know, and 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 for the last few months with the reopening of the economy, we've seen inflation pressures 
work their way in at, at the fuel pump, in the grocery store, building materials, you know, clothing, just all kinds of places. We're starting to see a rise in inflation. And what's been happening here is is in in February and in March and, and for the first three weeks or so in April, we've been seeing people saying, hey, man, chicken little, the sky's falling. We're going to get hit with a ton of inflation coming down the road. And now that narrative is starting to change a little bit. It's starting to change a little bit. And so that's a good thing because when we get too much inflation, that means the economy is overheated too much and the Federal Reserve is going to jump in and sort of put the brakes on the economy a little bit and pull it back by, by raising rates or tapering down their, buy, their bond buying program. They have several tools to be able to do this. But bottom line is stocks won't react well in a scenario like that. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, what we're starting to to digest through now is what are the reasons for this inflation that we're getting? And it's a handful of reasons. One reason is the supply chain is still messed up. You know, there's not enough there's not enough inventory out there for the demand that's being met right now. There's just not, okay? Uh, you go to restaurants and some of them say, you know what, we're out of that, we're out of that uh, meal. You know, we don't have that entree, but I can offer you this. Uh, you know, same with building materials and, and, and just all different places are, are around. We're seeing that happen with supply chains. So once the supply chains or inventory gets caught back up and we get to an equilibrium point in the economy where demand is, is, is equal to supply or thereabouts, we're going to start to see inflation pull back down a little bit. And so the question becomes this, will we get to that point or not? And a lot of people are saying now we're going to get to that point probably July, August of this year, and they're expecting to start to see inflation start to mitigate, start to start to you know level out going forward. And the Federal Reserve is 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 uh, you know singing that song as well. So you know there's an old adage on Wall Street: don't fight the Fed. So so what does that mean for your investment portfolio? Where where should you be having money right now? Well, you've got a reopening of the economy, which means. The economy's climbing back up out of a recession. Now, this the COVID recession was, I'm talking about the markets now, not necessarily jobs, was one of the deepest and quickest recoveries that we've ever had in the history of the stock market. And, and during a, a new phase of an economy, if you sort of break down the economy into different phases, like the beginning phase, uh, a mid phase, and a late cycle phase, we're probably arguably – coming out of the beginning phase of an economy and just entering the middle phase of the economy. So what type of investments should you be in in order to take advantage of that right now and going forward? You need to have money on both sides of this inflation narrative in case we do get more inflation or or it lasts longer than July, August, or say September this year, right? And then behind the scenes, once inflation starts to, to level out a little bit, Make sure that your investments are appropriately aligned as well in those areas. So, so a lot of people are sitting around going, you know, I don't understand why my bond portfolio is losing money this year. You know, I'm in, I'm in these high-rated bonds, and yet they're going down in value. Why is that? You know, and it's because interest rates are starting to rise. Not the Federal Reserve rates, not the, not the overnight lending rate at, that you see at the banks, but, but in the stock market, rates have pushed up. So your traditional high credit quality long-duration bonds have been going down in value. 
And so you need to understand when the interest rates are rising, when the economy is reopening, you need to be on what we call the other side of the bond street, where you're, you have credit risk in your bonds instead of duration risk in your bonds. This will enable your bond portfolio to rise as interest rates rise in the market, you know, the 10-year note and the two-year note and all that kind of stuff. As the yield curve keeps on rising, your bonds will rise as well. We've seen so many people, uh, you know, hey, they, they give us a call. They say, Larry, check us out. You know, what, what, what are the, how's our portfolio looking? Can you grade it for us? And right now, most people don't understand how they're losing money in bonds, and that's one of the things. So, so one of the quick takeaways here this morning is, is check out the bonds that are in your portfolio and make sure that they're on the correct side of the bond street for an expanding, a rate-rising environment. And then your bonds will do pretty well versus the other traditional types. So I got that, a, I got a question go about that. Then with the bonds is, is you've got bonds that are, are doing well because of the credit factor that you're talking about. Does that also mean that that they, that they're good during t- times when interest rates aren't rising? Would they still would they still be a good credit risk? No. Yeah, so if interest rates around. are yeah. flat, then they'll be fine. You'll just get a bigger coupon. <coughs> Excuse me. But when interest rates start to go down, so so think about it like this, Chris. Very simple. The economy does two things. It's either contracting or it's expanding. Right. 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 So in an expanding economy. What does that mean? That means that interest rates are rising a little bit. That means that that businesses that are taking loans have a greater probability of repaying those oh, loans versus in a contracting economy. When the economy contracts, interest rates go down, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then businesses don't have such a, a larger propensity to repay uh, loans. So when, when the economy is expanding and interest rates go up, you want to get a you want to get very short in your duration, or you want to move to the other side of the bond street called credit risk. Okay, those bonds today are paying you know three and a half, four, four percent uh, interest rate on those bonds, whereas your high credit quality bonds, short duration, are paying you know one and a half, maybe mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. All right, and so as interest as the, the economy continues to expand. Uh, those bonds will continue to rise in value in a lot of cases. You know, it depends on the, on the you know, bond, bonds go up or down based off of interest rates, the credit quality of the bond, and the demand for that particular bond. So you got to be in the right bond or get a good bond fund to, to do that. But, you know, now is a very important time to take a good look at your bond portfolios uh, because, you know, they, they do give you the ballast. You know, should something go wrong in the markets or the economy – those bonds aren't going to, you know, they should they should help hold up steady for you as far as all that goes. And you really want to make sure that your your bonds are on the correct side of the bond street as the economy's uh, changing around. So, mm-hmm. hey, if you want to get some information on these bonds, you know, they're called bank loan bonds, floating rate bonds, things like that. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123, or simply go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and we'll be happy to send you out some information on the different types of bonds as it compares to the different types of uh, eh, call it economic conditions that's functioning in the marketplace that will enable you to you know, be in the right spot when it, when it, when it comes to all of this. So. Uh, you know, but, you know, getting back to some more of the economics, we got a little sidetrack there, but, you know, getting back to some more of the economics that, that's happened here, the savings rate remains elevated. 
uh, you know, at 14, almost 15 percent, while consumer spending last month rose half a percentage point. So we're starting to see some of these mixed figures a little bit. First quarter GDP was unrevised at the second look, which is good news. Uh, so it's pretty steady at 6.4 percent. Jobless claims fell to 406,000 this past week, uh, which is good news as uh, 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 again. You know, and, you know, the 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 we're starting to see, you know, this thing start to play out, you know, in 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 the reopening of the economy. And what does that mean for new investment opportunities? What you know, what's going to happen here with the debate on uh, President Biden's six trillion dollar infrastructure package that they announced late yesterday afternoon? Trillion dollars. Yes, that's very, very big. You know, and so there's there's a lot of. uh, conversation going around about all of that, and and both sides in the in in, in Congress are are <laughs> they've got a little bit of a gap between the numbers that they're both comfortable with. So we'll see how this thing plays out, and uh, you know we'll just kind of go from there. But meanwhile, now's a good time to make sure you're properly diversified and your money is able to handle inflation pressures and non-inflation pressures, and make sure your bond portfolio, your fixed income, is in the right spot. So hey, we're going to take a quick break here. Let's. Open up the phone lines. It's open mic Saturday. Give us a call at any at with any of your financial planning, investment questions, estate planning, taxes, whatever's on your mind today. Open mic Saturday, eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five Rose one two three, or eight five five seven six seven three one two three. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more of your making money sense. Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More making money sense in a moment. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Now nationwide and coast to coast from sea to shining sea, call now, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Thanks for listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show today. We appreciate you being here. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. We're going to talk to Larry Rosenthal live here in studio on this Memorial Day weekend. And just a real quick shout-out to... Uh, to those who have served and paid the ultimate sacrifice, and if you have an opportunity to 
say hi to a veteran or to you know spend a little time maybe at the cemetery and uh, just say thank you. I think that would be a wonderful thing. What do you think, Larry? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Praise the Lord for our country and thank you to all of our servicemen and women, yeah, um, amen. past, present, and future. Without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt. So happy Memorial Day weekend to everyone out there. Uh, so you know, Chris, we're we're looking at at the the sort of the intersection of change in the stock market as well as in the economy with lots of spending coming out of government low interest rates reopening of the economy rising prices you know um what's going to happen with with wages going forward in this new economy that we're in what's going to happen with interruptive technological um developments as far as products goes, you know, interruptible, interruptible technologies, good investment opportunities, where do we see those? What about health care? What about materials? What about communication services? What about your basic blocking and tackling investments? You know, so, so what is the difference when it comes to managing a portfolio when you take a look at the difference between strategic and tactical management? What do you use? How do you go about using it? How do you implement it, right? So oftentimes we hear people saying, you know, well, you need to rebalance your portfolio from time to time. Yes, absolutely. You need to rebalance your portfolio. There's no doubt about it. But when do you rebalance it and why do you rebalance it? That's the question. So there's two types of categories here when it comes to rebalancing your portfolio. One is called strategic and the other one is called tactical. Okay, And so on a strategic rebalancing approach, that might be something that says, you know, well, we're, we're going to do this on a quarterly basis. Every quarter, at the end of each quarter, we're going to we're just going to rebalance. And you know, if you've got ten positions, let's just say, and you want ten percent inside each position, and at the end of the quarter, position number one has eleven percent, and position number two has nine percent, and everything else has ten. At the end of the quarter, you're just going to hit a button, and boom, make everything ten percent again. That's more of a strategic type of a rebalance program whether it's quarterly, annually, semi-annually, whatever the case may be, even monthly in some cases. Uh, the question becomes, you know, what's the, the appropriate amount of rebalancing frequency that one should do in their portfolio? And we've seen surveys out there that show, you know, the longer you wait to do your rebalance, the more dollars you actually end up with a lot of times. Uh, more as a, like a two-year type of a rebalance versus a quarterly rebalance. And so this, these, are, these are interesting things because a lot of times we will see people come, they'll, they'll send their statements to us, and we'll notice that they're on a quarterly type of rebalancing. Well, that sounds wonderful. But remember, whenever you rebalance something, it's a double-edged sword. And what, what I mean specifically by rebalancing is it being a double-edged sword is let's suppose you got, again, those 10 positions and you start off with 10% in each one. And position number one now grows, let's say, to 13%, and position number two is sitting there at 7%. One would have to ask the reason, why is that? Well, maybe position number one is in a place that's going to continue to be growing, maybe for another few years. And position number two might be in a spot that is just going to be a lagger, maybe for another couple of years. So at that particular point, why would you say, you know what, let's just let's not pay any attention to the economics of what's going on in those two sectors. Let's just rebalance because the calendar says let's rebalance. 
Well, now you might want to employ a little bit of a more tactical approach. Let's take a look at it. Maybe in, sec in, the, in the first investment, that particular sector is doing very, very well. Maybe it's a new, new technology. Maybe it's a new, you know, whatever it may be, there's a new demand in that marketplace that's not in, in, in position uh, number two. So if that's the case, then doesn't it make sense maybe to not rebalance on a purposeful method every quarter or, or semi-annually or whatever it may be and take a look at what's happening in the portfolio, what's happening in the management of it, what's happening in the economy, what's what the direction of the flow of funds are in the marketplace uh, in those different sectors and maybe take a look at more of a tactical type of a rebalance. So there are there are ways that you can do sort of a strategic rebalance from time to time and overlay it with more of a tactical approach as well sort of a common sense approach. You know, if we wake up tomorrow and the newspaper says, hey, this position right here that you're in is going to do well, and that one's not going to do well, well, maybe you don't want to be in the one that's not going to do well for a while. But at the same time, you know, you, you want to maintain the core of your investments so you don't do a lot of buying and selling all the time. Don't get me wrong, Chris. That's not the, that's not the purpose of this. But my point is that we see a lot, especially in a year like like last year and this year, where we'll see a lot of strategic rebalance programs rebalancing. And now they could actually be on the wrong side of, the, of, of, of a formula or two. Uh, with with the the way we're seeing the markets with all the volatility and stuff, and then the volatility has been really the you know the last few months is all it's been attributed uh, to inflation pressures, uh, with without a doubt, and the reopening of the economy. So so uh, you know make sure that your portfolios are are in the right spot, and that they you know that they're going to continue to be monitored and and they can evolve with the different. Um, economics that we're going to be seeing here in the next few months. You know, a lot getting, of moving parts. Yep, we're right in the middle, or, or we're two thirds through cor uh, corporate earnings for the first quarter right now. We'll get another uh, handful of weeks here in June, and they look to be coming in pretty strong, which is uh, encouraging. You know, that's why people buy stock to begin with is based off the future anticipation earnings of a, of a corporation. So, uh, without a doubt, you know, we need to also keep our 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 minds focused and, and our hearts in the right place too. You know, we talk a lot about money. We talk a lot about wealth accumulation here on the show. We talk about financial planning, investment strategies, and, and all different types of scenarios. But we also have to remember too, you know, first Peter five seven, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in, in glory in Christ Jesus, you know. And and stop and boil that down what are all you know all of our needs right what are they and and you know and what are the differences between needs and wants at times right that is true you know for the you know the, the bible also says um i think it's in first corinthians uh you know the um you know the the, the earth is the lord's and and all that's in it mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um you know in proverbs as well uh, there's a way that appears right to, to people, but, but in the end, leads to death. So, you know, we need to stay focused on the Lord, uh, be good stewards with your, your assets, pray, um, you know, and, and, and things like that. And, and understand, understand, put money in its right place. You know, put money in its right place. It's a tool, okay? It's, it's, it's a tool to be used, um, and, and we're to be good stewards with it and, and give you know, the purpose of it is, 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 you know, to, to, uh, I, 
I guess, you know, fired back into the Lord's kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> it's a way to just put it there, on, you know, without being all fancy and stuff. It's so. kind of funny that you mention it the way you do, because uh, my wife always says that uh, occasionally I am a handy husband. So the tools that I use are not necessarily used very well on occasion, you know. So it's good to have a, a good instructor. And I would say if I were going to take a, an, an analogize that, you would, it's a good thing to have a good financial planner as well who understands how to use the tools versus us handy husbands on occasion that don't use them very well. Yep, I get it. I understand it. That's for sure. That's for sure. Hey, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing, How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse dollar cost average out during your retirement years. Thanks for joining us on the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123, to talk to Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert here in studio. Give us a call right now if you'd like to talk and ask any of those questions that may be on your mind here today. Larry. Financial planning scenario, one of the things that you have to look at is is what's down the road and around the corner. What are the things that you're doing today that is appropriate in financial planning, wealth management, and stuff like that? But what are the things you're going to need to be doing down the road? So we've categorized this into, into seven different places, investment planning, estate planning, retirement planning, insurance planning, cash flow budget assisting loved ones, and tax planning. And when you take a look at all the different areas underneath those, those are sort of all the check boxes, if you will, that one needs to really take a look at. We've got 131 different things that could actually go into a financial plan. Now, I've never met anybody that uses all 131 (laughs) of them, okay? But if you want to get a list of all of those, then feel free. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123 or simply go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Shoot us off an email, and we'll be happy to to send you out this list. Sounds like an experiment that you need to do. Get somebody to use all of them. Right, right. You know, one of the the things, too, is is that we've talked about, we haven't really talked about this in a while, but, but I know last year, 
year. We talked a little bit about it. And and underneath investment planning, I want to talk about something called, you know, there's two words for it. One of them is diversification, right? <laughs> Not diversification, but diversification. And the next one is stock concentration. So so what I mean by stock concentration is just that, diversification. Suppose you have, I don't know, say seven different mutual funds in your account, but behind the scenes, maybe 20% of your money in those different mutual funds, even if those mutual funds are, are located at other companies, right? They might be invested in the same stocks because a lot of times, you know, like when you take a look at, at sector stocks and things like that, they're behind the scenes, they're invested in the same stuff. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen so many people, they send their statements, we look at it, we're building their financial plan, and behind the scenes we, we show them that their stock concentration is is heavily you know tilted in, in one specific area. Now, that's okay if you're aware of it and you want to be overweighted in a certain area. I don't have any problems with that. But for the most part, a lot of people say, I had no idea that, that, that this fund and that fund and the other four or five that we have, behind the scenes, we thought we were diversified. Well, you, you, you have a heavy concentration in there. So when you're looking at your investment portfolio, one of the things that you want to do is sort of take an x-ray or a dive or deep, dig deep down into looking at what's inside the ETFs, what's inside the mutual funds, because that will take a look at exactly you know what where where your concentration is, and that will help you to determine your diversification or or simply you know your over concentration on certain stock levels. Another thing in investment planning too is what's the time horizon. I was speaking with somebody the other day. Um, in, in, in a social setting that we were at, and he, he asked me, he came up to me and he said, you know, I'm, I've got a question for you. I said, what? He said, he said you know, I'm, I'm a little confused about how to turn my investments into income. I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, for, for many years now, we've been trying to grow our assets, and I'm starting to think about at some point, how do I get them to be income producing? And that's a big, big question that a lot of people overlook it's really it really becomes a financial blind spot and i thought to myself you know what i'm going to talk about that this weekend on the radio show because this is a big financial blind spot great point yeah yeah that that people have because if you break down the three phases of financial planning you've got accumulation where you're trying to grow your assets and then you've got distribution where your your assets are there and you're you're starting to receive income coming back from them and then you've got legacy planning where you're passing your assets on and and in all three phases you have to have the utmost tax efficiency inside of all of them and that's another conversation that we can have later but my point is is how do you switch from growth to income mm -hmm. you know and and do you do it overnight do you, do you do it over a period of time, what are some of the ways that you go about doing it, right? It's a completely and different mindset, too, isn't it? It's a whole different It is a different yeah. mindset. That's exactly correct, Chris. And when you're looking at, at changing from the grow, grow, grow your assets to the income production assets, one of the things that you have to recall, you have to remember as well is, let's just pick age 65 as an example. Suppose that person wants to retire at 65 and then turn their growth assets toward income-producing assets. Yes, I know 
everybody's thinking, well, they should start doing it earlier when they're in their 50s and there's, you know, and all that. That's correct. But also remember this. My point is this, because this puts you into a box. It puts you into a very tight box, almost like a phone booth type of a conundrum, because now you're 65 and you're saying, okay, I've got all my assets positioned for growth. Well, wait a minute. What happens if I kind of screw up and live to 95? <laughs> I got another 30 years that I should have some growth in my portfolio as well, right? So we need to be breaking this down and looking at it from the standpoint of going, hey, you know, we've got to have growth while we're trying to grow our assets, and then we've got to kick them over to income, but we still need growth at the same time. So so one of the things that you can take a look at doing after you understand that there's five or six different strategies, different investment places that you can put money away and start receiving income off of them without selling off shares of ownership. And a lot of these places today, you know, you're paying 6, 12, 13% dividends. Now the the principles go up and down, but the income still kicks out, you know, and and so you you, you know, obviously there's no guarantees on anything here, but but you can build an income production portfolio that enables you to really be able to 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 accomplish that. So one of the areas that you want to be thinking about maybe when you're in your 50s is start taking some of your growth and start moving that towards some of these high dividend areas mm. so that when you get closer towards retirement, you have this sort of war chest of, of shares built up to kick you out income. And and it's it's very interesting when you stop start boiling this down on how things work like that. One of the things we do in our firm is is in our core portfolios, even in our growth portfolios, we have a core position that's designed for both growth and income in retirement. So it gives you growth while you're growing, while while you're in the growth stage, but it also gives you income production capabilities while you're in that early stages of retirement planning years. And, and so we, we put that into our core portfolio. That works out very, very well for a lot of people down the road. And, and you know, you, you really have to stop and ask, you know, what's the construction on your investments? What's the construction on your portfolios and things like that? You know, the asset allocation underneath investment planning, too. It, 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 you can have, and this is a different subject, Chris, you can have the best stock or the best bond out there. Okay, you can have the best rated ETF or mutual fund, but if it's in the wrong sector Mm -hmm. at that particular time, it's not going to go anywhere. It's just not going to go anywhere. You know, like if you if you take a look at the newspaper, and the newspaper says, hey, Larry, this sector of the economy is not going to do well. But yet you've got an investment that's sitting in that sector and it's the number one investment. Well, it doesn't matter. It's still not going to go. It's kind of a all. Uh, it's kind of a rising tide lifts all boats. Well, well, a sinking tide lowers all boats too. Isn't that a double-edged sword, though, Larry? When you think about it, if you've got a lot of time and you know that sector is going to do well in time, it's probably a good place to start building up shares, right? If you, if down the road it's going to do well, but how do you know? I mean, you know. well, that that is the question. How do you know? And so, what factors will will you research to find out what moves that sector? You know. Mm. Asset allocation, not the stock selection, but asset allocation makes up for over 92.5% of your portfolio's long-term rate of return. Being in the correct asset class, being in the right space, being in that Mm. harbor where the the tide's coming in, lifting all the boats. But to your point, Chris, then you look across the bay, and there's another harbor over there that's not doing so well now, right? 
and you say, well, let's go buy some things over there. Well, before you do that, you have to ask the question, what has to take place in the economy? What has to take place with monetary policy, maybe even fiscal policy, maybe with the behavior of, of, consumer, of the consumer? What has to take place in order for that buying opportunity, as you're describing it, to do well in a certain time frame? Mm-hmm. Okay, what, what is the scenario there? And that's a perfectly, you know, that's a perfectly legit, legitimate question and conversation to have. And sometimes it's very to start buying things that aren't doing well. Right, at all. right. So it's, and it's that's where you make the money. That's yeah. how you make the money, though, a lot of times, you know, when, when, when you're looking at it, yeah. you know. But, but with every investment, one of the key things, you know, our investment policy team, we meet once a month. And we break down the entire economy, grade all of our investments, and, and then we meet every morning from 8 to 8.30, Monday through Thursday morning. Our entire investment policy team does that. And we break down what happened in the markets yesterday. We talk about what the headlines are today, blah, 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 how are things positioned. You know, we find out what's going on. I don't, so we, I don't want to get that, too much into the weeds, Larry, but I was just I was just curious. We're talking about these different sectors, and one of the ones that's sort of the, the I guess, the uh, bear in the room or the, the large animal in the room is the, is the technology sector. When, when, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I like I said, I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but a lot of people are like, I've got a lot of money in technology. Is it going to ever come back? Or, you know, that's kind of thing. Well, one thing I would have to ask, Chris, is, is the statement that you just made is, is technology, quote, unquote, ever going to come back? Well, Where it, did it go? Yeah, it never went anywhere. That's true. Where did it go? But it's right? falling out of favor a little bit as far as uh, the stock market is concerned. In some okay, areas. so so that's another question to ask. So let's let's step through this lesson here. So you know why has it fallen out of favor? I, supply and demand, I would imagine. It's part no, of it. no, well, no. If if there's limited supply, then the prices are going to rise, and that's going that would to help it. Yeah, that's going to increase improve the bottom line of, of the corporate of the you know pr- uh, of the of the companies that's why people buy stock to begin with mm. when their earnings go up right so so why did it fall out of favor and and will it come back well the answer is yes it will but the reason that it fell out of favor is think about this every sector whether it's communication services healthcare materials industrials utilities in your case tech what you're talking about now financials and just on and on and on and on just list out all the different sectors mm-hmm. okay one has to ask the question what has to go right in the economy for that sector to do well and what has to go wrong in the economy for that sector to not do so well. Well, you always say spending and drives the economy, so I would imagine that has spending something. spending does drive the economy. But now you're taking a look at at what's what's moving stock prices. And when you talk about technology, you know, technology's still up 6 or 7% for sure. the year. It's just not leading this year right now, okay? It's been leading for the last umpteen years, okay? But this year it's taken a little little bit of a break. It's still up and it's still positive, sure. and there's an, an incredible amount of innovation that's going on in technology. And I'll lay this out, and then I'll give you the answer to your question. You know, you take a look at interruptive technologies, artificial intelligence. You know, um, in the communication services, in tech, and in biotech, there's more money that's being invested in in artificial intelligence in those three sectors. I'm sorry, in research and development mm-hmm. in those three sectors, 
just about 50% of all research and development over the next handful of years is going into those three sectors. So what does that tell you? But now, when you take a look at, at a, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in a very simple illustration, okay, let's suppose I have a chocolate bar factory, okay, and I open up a, a, a chocolate bar factory and I say, you know what, I'm going to invest $1,000 into some sugar and flour and a mixing bowl, and I mix this thing all up. And I produce a chocolate bar on Friday afternoon. I can have it in your grocery store on Monday. You can buy that thing on Monday, Chris, and I get a return on my investment just a handful of days later, right? Sure. Okay. Now, if I have $1,000 and I'm going to put it into a technology investment, let's suppose I want to develop a new camera on a phone or I want to get a new chip or a new widget or some sort into, you know, I'm going to put a new flux capacitor, if you will, okay, <laughs> into a phone. How's that sound, right? Oh, wow. Okay. Show so your age I, now. <laughs> right, exactly. So I take, so I take a look at, at um, um, the, the technology that I'm going to develop. So I, I invest $1,000 on that same Friday, and now it's going to take me several months to develop it to manufacture it, to get it into the consumer's hand, it might take, you know, 15 months, and then I get my return on investment. Sure. Here's the answer why technology doesn't do well in an inflationary environment. Because in the chocolate bar uh, uh, equation, if we're having rising inflation, I'm getting my return on investment in a handful of days. But in a technology investment, my return on investment could be a year or two down the road. And as we get more inflation during that period of time, the erosion of my return on investment yeah, is not as good as where it was on that, on, at the very beginning when I decided to embark on that investment. So in a technology sector or in other sectors where you have what's called longer duration return on investment, Okay, and I don't want to get too deep into the weeds here, but if, if you're following the story, the longer it is for your return on investment to come back to you, if you're in a bout of inflation during that period of time, that sector, whether, whether it's biotech or health or, or, or tech or whatever it may be, it's not going to do as well as if your return on investment is a shorter period of time. Now, what happens if inflation gets under control and we don't have it, right, or it's sort of pops up a little bit from the reopening of the economy and then goes sideways a little bit. Now what's the tech sector going to do when people go, hey, you know what? Got a little extra money here. Yep. The technology sector is not, not being affected that much by inflation pressures anymore. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder what that's going to mean for tech going forward, right? Maybe buying opportunity. Maybe now's a buying opportunity. So, so you also have to take a look, too, at breaking things down and, and what you were talking about there is more of a tactical, short-term snapshot of an investment strategy. And, and, and what you need to do also is take a look at a mid-range and a long-range. Sure. So what about a mid-range type of a scenario versus a long-range? Long-range type of a scenario could be simply a theme investment. You might say, hey, you know what? As a human race, we're not done developing health care. We're going to continue to improve and improve and improve on healthcare, right? So maybe that's just a sector I want to be in for the coming decade, okay? 
with bioinformatics and just all types of, of, of technological advancements in pharmaceuticals and, and procedures and things like that, maybe that's a sector you want to stay in for a long period of time. Same with technology. You know, what about the, the, the evolution? You know, they're talking about, you know, our car manufacturers right now are talking about um, becoming all electric in, in, you know, 10, 15 years. What does that mean? We don't even have the battery technology in cars on a consumer basis level to be able to pull into a station and charge in 15 or 20 minutes. We don't have that capability yet. So they're saying that capability is going to be here somewhere down the road, right? So, uh, you know, lots of investment opportunities here. So, hey, listen, I don't want to get too deep in the woods, you know, uh, in, into the weeds with all this. Uh, it gets very technical. Uh, I could talk about it all day long, but I don't want to bore our listeners either. You know, usually we get a lot of phone calls, and I think I'm getting too deep in the weeds this Memorial Day weekend. But anyway, let's take a quick break and keep the phone lines open. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Give us a ring. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard the more risk you get, the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments. However, can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? You can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives. Thanks for listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123 is the number to call. Delivering sound financial advice you can depend on. You found the Larry Rosenthal Show. Call now with your questions, 855-767-3123, or stop by LarryRosenthal.com. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Just a quick thing to talk about for a second here is, uh, you know, just being appreciative of our of our war heroes, those who paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. Like I was just really thinking, of, you know, the other day about how, you know, this freedom isn't free. I mean, it really isn't. We have to really consider the fact that uh, those guys paid that price for us so that we could be free, you know. Yeah. Without a doubt, Chris, you know, men and women, you know, yeah, past, absolutely. present, and in the future, too. And, and it's something that we, we cherish a lot in this country, without a doubt, you know, and, and you know, just— Pray for for God's protection over you know everybody and 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 for for the whole world too you know um, you know they we, say this is the home of the free because of the brave and I totally agree. yes it is yep yeah. and we're greatly appreciative and and our hearts go out and our prayers and thoughts to to every member of the service again both uh, uh, past present and active military as as well and future also yeah. you know so definitely and and we all have families or members if not ourselves that have have been involved in the military 
you know, and what a great service to our country and, and to the world for that, for that matter. So, mm-hmm. hey, so we're talking about, you know, some of the investment planning techniques today on, under the investment planning umbrella of the f- seven different themes or seven different um, areas that are built within a financial plan, you know, investment planning, estate planning, retirement, insurance, cash flow budgeting, tax planning, assisting loved ones, you know, those are the sort of seven different things that we've broken out um, uh, inside of a financial plan. And and another scenario here that we have to look under investment planning is is, uh, withdrawal strategies as well as, um, uh, uh, you know, account aggregation scenarios. If you go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, you'll see a video there on the front page, and it describes account aggregation. And this is how we use our software. We, we use a program that will bring in all of your accounts from all different sources, your 401K, your brokerage account, your bank account, your mortgage, credit cards, the whole nine yards, and it uploads it every single night for a complete picture of a financial plan. So visit, visit the website, LarryRosenthal.com. While you're there, like us and follow us on Facebook. Sign up for our monthly newsletter. It's free. And check out that video. It's about 90 seconds long, and it sort of, it sort of gives you a, a good indication of how a properly structured financial plan should, should work and function. And that brings us to another point, too, Chris, in our discussion today, is how often should you be reviewing the financial plan? You know, and, and some people say, oh, uh, you know, once a year and you're fine. Well, well, you know, here's the deal. The regulators say once a year you should be reviewing your accounts with your advisor if it's in a fiduciary account, okay? Well, that's great. That's the minimum, the minimum, right? Okay, so do we How many perform- times do you mow your lawn during the summer? Yes. Right, right. Do exactly. it at least once. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly right. So, you know, when, when, when you look at it, you know, I, I get this question a lot when we're bringing on new, new clients. And they ask me, they say, well, how, how many meetings a year will we have? And I, my answer is typically, you know, anywhere from two to four, but it also depends. Sometimes we'll meet with a client eight or nine times throughout the year, depending on what's going on in their financial planning scenario. Sometimes we'll meet with a client two or three times a year. You know, so we're much more of a relationship-driven type of a scenario versus saying, oh, here's your every seven-month review automatically. You know what? Well, well, a lot of things can happen between then and now, you know, and, and our clients know that they can call the office, get us, you know, within 24 hours. If, you know, we get calls all the time. Should I refinance my mortgage? Larry, what should I do on this car? Should I buy it or lease it or, 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 or pay it over time? What should I do on it? You know, all different types of things. All that stuff goes into a financial plan. Okay, and so when you're looking at, at how often do you review it, the answer is yes, you'd have to, because that's one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen people make over the years all across the country is they get a financial plan built, you know, in 2012, and they haven't looked at it for, for seven years later. Okay, well, well, what good is it, right? Where, where are we on, on, on the path of all of this? So it's important to really update that plan and keep it constantly, you know. So that's why we use the software we use. Go check it out at LarryRosenthal.com. Look at the video on it, and, and uh, that, that, that will show you, you know, how, uh, how it should be structured, you know. But, but the key thing here is, you know, the relationship, the relationship with the financial advisor and the, cl- and the investment client or the financial planning client. 
you know it's it's based off of a relationship scenario that's why you 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 know you stay in touch that's why you continue to do things from time to time you know and 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 touch base even if it's just a a, a simple 20 minute review through zoom you know you, the, the financial advisor's main objective is to find out what changes have taken place in, in, in his or her client's, you know, family, you know, to, to really make sure that things are, are functioning toward the goal. So everybody's pulling together in the same manner. That's very important to, 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 uh, to, to do. So, let's see, we got a caller on the line here today. Chris, let's go ahead and welcome, uh, let's welcome Christine on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Christine. How are you today? Good morning. I'm fine. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you today? Good, good. Uh, we have two grandchildren so far. They're very, very young. And we wanted to start some kind of savings account to give to them when they're 18 or sometime later. So we didn't know how we should go about that. Well, there's there's a couple different ways. First of all, do you want it to be theirs at 18? Uh, does Do you want it to be purposefully directed towards college or just, just generally? Just generally. So you can use there's there's two strategies that you can use because they're a minor. They can't own the account now. You can use what's called an UGMA account, Uniform Gift to Minors Act account, or okay. UTMA, Uniform Transfer to Minors account, depending on what state you're in. So it's an UGMA account, Uniform Gift to Minors Act. Your name would go on it as the adult or the custodian of the account, and okay. then you put the put the grandchild's name on it. And then as the account's growing, you're making all decisions, you're paying the taxes, you're doing all that kind of stuff with it, okay? And then when they're 18 or 21, rather, then then the account switches right over to them and they can have it. Uh, the other way to do this is to just open up an account in your name, okay, and name them as beneficiary on the account. Uh, because right now, while they're little and, and everything's great and wonderful, when they're 18 or 19 years old, maybe they have a different view on things. And you might say, I don't want to turn <laughs> over all this money to them. But by keeping it by keeping it in your name and just sort of earmarking, you know, hey, this account right over here in my name with a whole different account number, it's earmarked mm -hmm. for the grandchild. But if they mm. get to that age and I go, ah, I don't want to give it to them. You don't have to. It's yours. You can just make them gotcha. beneficiary on it. So there's two ways that I would approach that, Christine, as far as that goes. Okay. And that second way that you're talking about, would that be still under the UGMA or UTMA, or would that just be under our savings account? No, it would be under. Have? Yep, it would be under. Well, I would put it in a different savings account so that you know that that particular savings account number is earmarked towards the grandkids. Okay. Gotcha. That's that's what I would do, you know, as far as that goes. Now, now depending on how much money is in that account at some point down the road, um, you, you want to uh, minimize, you, you want to stay away from gift tax issues, and, and there's ways that you can do that as well. So, so you know, that's really the, the, the way, and I have clients doing both. I really do. I have clients that say, you know what, it, it, it makes sense to, to – uh, to keep it in my name and keep it separated, and then we'll see how they mm -hmm. are when they're 18, okay? Versus versus um, <laughs> uh, just giving it to them now when you know when they're three years old, crawling around, and and uh, so that's what we've seen. We've just seen people do both. So I always say, you know, those are the choices right there. And if you want, I'll send you out some information on UGMA and UTMA accounts, the the, the gifting act to to the kids, so you can see the difference there. Okay? Oh, sure. 
sure. Yep. That would be great. Absolutely. Let me put All you right. on hold, and Bob will get your information. We'll have someone follow up with you, and we'll we'll send you out a packet on Uniform Gift to Minors Act. Appreciate the phone call, and happy Memorial Day weekend, too, by the way. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Yep, I'll put you on hold. So, hey, we're down to the last minute of the show here. I'll stay in studio with any more phone calls that if people want to give us a ring. 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Until then, everybody have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Thanks to Bob in the back with doing all the phone calls today and Chris McKay. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense, The Larry Rosenthal Show.